Okay, so we've been doing a sermon series on the way, running the race, the way to go through the faith journey. And I, uh, I am the, in the fourth part of this circle, so I think we'll, um, it's going to come up in a minute. But, so a month ago, Jordan did a, series, a sermon on seeking, and that was all about uh, you have this moment where there's got to be more to life than this or you're in the faith journey and you're like, you have these aha moments like something is not quite right and it kind of sends us into a seeking posture of we've got, we're, we want to discover. And then the next week we looked at continue, uh, decide. And uh, the essential skill of believing is deciding. And deciding literally means to cut away. So there's this tone of it of like we, we cut away things so we can make room for new things to come. And deciding is belief that's, that's um, going into action. So the next week was try, we talked about try. And that's on our t-shirt, you'll hear that a lot if you're new to Blue Water, we talk about try a lot. And that's really where your belief then and your decisions like go into action. And I get to talk about change, changing ourselves. Uh, so both, both our main pastors left the continent on this one, <laughs> or the island, <laughs> uh, and I'm excited to share because I, I feel like there's some things that, um, that God has, yeah, to, to bring through. Uh, the essential skill of change, I believe, is like the first three, where we're seeking and we make a decision and we're going to try and dig in with God and let him change us, let him sift our hearts and see and discover, you know, we discover the things that really need transforming in us. No one really likes change, but the crucible of change demands a response from us. And what I want to challenge us with this morning is, is that humility, humbleness, and honesty are, are, need to rule the day when it comes to our own inner life and, and that transformation process that God wants to bring us into on the faith journey so we can grow up, so we can mature. Humble, honest prayer. Prayer is the place it happens. And I want to take just a couple minutes. You don't have to raise your hands or call out. I won't do that to you this morning. We'll leave that for Jordan. Um, but just take a minute to think about what mo motivates you to change inside. What motivates you to want to change things about yourself? Maybe you avoid it altogether. <laughs> A lot of us try and do that. Maybe it's troubled relationships. You're sick of hitting the same things over and over with people. Maybe you don't feel connected to people and there's something you know inside that's keeping you from that. Maybe you have a difficult boss. <laughs> a good change agent. Maybe there's traumatic events. Maybe there's things that happened a long time ago or recently that have really uh, taken you under. Well, life guarantees that changes will come. None of us can escape them. And living things grow or they die. There's really not a whole lot in between. So if we're not growing, we can really wither and die. And change is it's inherent in the growth process. How we respond to it is, what is the choices we make, the humility and the 
honesty that we bring to it, that's when we can open our hearts and the conditions of our hearts and minds can be changed. I've been mulling this over for a few weeks now, uh, and it seems pretty important to God, <laughs> the change. Uh, I've also been thinking about my own faith journey. I've been at this for 32 years, long time. Uh, and what are the things that have changed me? What are the things that have grabbed me and really encouraged me to open my heart and, and let God do that transforming work, the ugly things, the twisted things? And I want to use the, uh, the analogy of a butterfly. About nine years ago, Nalani Cook, is she here? The Cook family's over here, yeah. Um, she gave me a caterpillar, and it was in this plastic container with a branch and a bunch of green leaves. Big lumbering thing, short legs, couldn't do much but eat. So over time, I watched this thing, I put it on my shelf, and I watched it eating up the leaves and getting bigger and bigger. And then it somehow sent threads out of itself, wrapped them around itself, and attached itself to this branch. It cocooned up like a mummy. And then I watched it, and days went by, and then I see these black long legs coming out of this puka and its mummy rags. I'm like, whoa. And it scraped, and it clawed, and it fought its way out of there without damaging its huge, beautiful wings. It took a really long pee, and then it took flight. <laughs> like, whoa. So there's a couple things that occur to me about this that uh, stand out to me about this process. Miraculous things, really. What I know is in the cocoon state, that thing literally liquidates. It liquidates. It becomes like this black, primordial, oozy, nasty stuff. It liquidates. So from big, lumbering guy to beautiful, it liquidates. The transformation process sifts it into something completely different so it can become this beautiful thing. The other thing I noticed is that the caterpillar carried in its DNA the butterfly. So it was there all along, but it, need this it needed this crucible of change in the cocoon in order to become the beautiful thing that's free and able to take flight. True for bug guy, true for humans. So again, the essential skills involved in this process are humility and honesty and prayer. And I just want to say a couple things about prayer because it can be, for some people, they, oh, for, and maybe you're new at this and not super familiar with prayer yet. It can take a lot of facets. Prayer can take a lot of different directions and facets. It can change from hour to hour, day to day, your focus. Uh, and it, it's simply talking to God about the things that are on our hearts. Anytime, day or night, and about everything. So uh, coming with that posture and digging in with God is where, where the change happens. So I encourage you this morning to think about the parts of your life. I usually hold a mic, I like that. I don't know what to do with my hands, sorry, side note. <laughs> um, think about the parts of our lives where we really need to talk to and press into God about our own hearts and the condition of them. And I really, I believe that God is gonna pinpoint some things today. He's gonna, he's gonna move across and he's gonna pinpoint some things in us. And let's welcome him to do that. I want to share a personal example of I've had two major metamorphoses in my life, a lot of small ones in between. I want to share with you the first one. And when I gave myself to Jesus, I knew that it was all or nothing. And that's kind of another story, my, my path up to that point. But I just knew once I made this decision, it would be all or nothing for me. 
So I ate. I was hungry. I was this caterpillar, and I, I just ate everything I could get my hands on to learn about God, to learn about Jesus, to learn about this beautiful thing that was bursting inside of me. And I just filled myself for about a year. It was really sweet. I got fat. I ate lots. And then, little did I know that cocoon time was coming. Humble pie and honesty were going to hit. And uh, about a year into my faith journey, uh, a major crossroads hit in, in the change realm. And my, my grandmother was diagnosed with cancer. And she was living in LA. I'd moved to Boise, went to college, found Jesus, had a really good job. I had a faith community I loved. But she was in LA, and my family was nearby, but they were all so busy, I'd get letters from her, and she wouldn't, nobody would visit her for like a week. So I knew I was supposed to go back. And when I left LA, I had made a vow. You know, you make those personal vows, like I am never living there again. It's too much smog. I mean, I love LA, but there's too much smog, too much concrete, too many people. I just don't, I don't want to live there. But I knew I was supposed to. So I sold most of my stuff, put my dog in the car, my stuff, and I drove back to LA. And I moved in with her. And I knelt beside her day after day. And I prayed for her. I prayed for healing. I read scriptures over her, I loved on her, and I had faith that was mountainous. I really, truly believed that God could heal her and would heal her, and he didn't. And I, I watched her go into the arms of her creator, and it was beautiful, and it was sovereign, and her suffering was over, but I was inside, I was pissed, I was pissed. And I, I went through like the, the funeral, and I was a strong one for everybody, so I went through the funeral, I sold all her stuff, uh, and I, I kind of was strong, and then I knew that I needed to go grieve. So I decided to load up my camping gear and my dog and go up to Northern California. There's this beautiful spot on the coast, Big Sur. Um, my family used to vacation there when we were kids. And I was going to go, and I was going to grieve and pray. Uh, but I made a choice when I got there, and I, I went back to the old stuff. I got blackout drunk every night. I, I hooked up with several guys. I did all the stuff I did before. I had this beautiful experience with Jesus. And after a couple weeks, I was so disgusted with myself. And I couldn't feel God anywhere near me anymore, but the things I was running to weren't working anymore either. So then I made another choice. I better get my butt back to LA and, and get serious about this. I better go into the cocoon. So I loaded up my dog and my camping gear, and I was gonna, I was so, torn up inside that I literally was considering like high speed into a tree, just done. I just don't even want to be alive. And I kid you not, the thing that stopped me was my dog. I was like, it would not be fair to take my dog too. <laughs> Thanks, God. Oh, glad Doobie was with me. Her name's Doobie. So, I know. Yeah. Uh, so instead, I put in a cassette tape. Remember cassettes, anybody? I mean, predating a lot of you. <laughs> and I put, it was a worship tape. And I cried and hemorrhaged and repented and poured out my heart for like three, four hours on my drive back to LA. And when I got back, I gave myself over to the cocoon. I stepped in there. I knew I needed to. And I pursued healing. I pursued it. Um, I took a deep dive into the inner parts that were twisted and broken that were sending me into that destructive life I had before. 
And one of the, one of the, uh, the places God took me in this was my dad issues. And, and that was um, vital. And my dad was a wonderful man. He was loving. He was of the generation where you climb the corporate ladder and give your whole life to a corporation. So he started with this little tiny startup, SDS, Systems Data Something, and it became Xerox Corporation. And he moved himself up to, he got up to number two guy in that, in that company. And I saw him maybe one night a week. He, was, he started Fuji Xerox in Japan. He was traveling all the time. He was never home. And in my teenage years, I needed him. I needed him bad. But I, he was so successful and he was so wonderful when he was home, I just sort of put him on a pedestal and I thought, you know, he's just, he's an amazing guy. In the cocoon, I had to come to terms with some of the things that were uh, messed up in his parenting. And I'm a parent, so I get this. Like, I know I'm probably visiting things on my kid that are gonna require his future, you know, needing healing. Uh, so my dad came in with his own brokenness into parenting, but I had to take him off the pedestal. And so I, I, I dealt with the rejection I felt from him never being around. I dealt with the abandonment that set into my heart. I dealt with the uh, twisted view I had of men and what, what relationships were supposed to be like. I dealt with all that, and I had to forgive him. And forgiveness was the key to it. That's what transformed my heart. And it set me free, it, like unloaded some of that with me. And, and it wasn't like a one-time thing. This was on my knees, and this was digging in, and this was painful time. But I, I dealt with it. And same with my mom. She was raising three bratty teenagers. We were all doing drugs. We were disrespecting her. We were horrible to her. And she was kind of on her own journey, too. She was hardly around. She was always on her causes. She was a cause <laughs> thing. And, uh, so, and she came in with her own baggage, so I had to do mom work. I had to like, work through all this stuff. Of, of she, I needed a firm hand in my teenage years, and she, I, she was afraid that if she gave me a firm hand that I would go further away from her. So she, she gave me a long leash, and I was a kid that needed a firm hand. So I had to forgive her for that. And the cool thing is that I even went to each of them individually in that season, and I, I, just, I, for, I asked for forgiveness for being such an awful teenager. <laughs> And they, it was just so sweet. Like, it was sweet healing both of those times. We were both bawling, hugging each other. It was, just, it was healing. So those things, some of those things were the transformative things that then freed me up to be new and different. I also did Sozo sessions, did the internal work, the spiritual work. And I had to make myself accountable to a, um, an elderly Baptist grandma counselor. And she was, um, I love the Baptists, they're so godly and so committed to the word. And, and I was in, a, um, in seminary getting my degree in marriage and family counseling. And part of that degree was you had to spend a year uh, in counseling yourself. So you work out your own issues so you don't work them out in the counseling room. So I, I picked this gal and I was like, wow, God, really? And I knew she was the one. Um, and we talked about, you know, I know like I, she didn't believe in the supernatural gifts for today. I did, but we decided we could work together because... I just had a sense, I mean, I had this spiritual stuff with my sozo and my church, and then I needed a grandma figure. And she would literally, some weeks, she'd be like, Julie, how you doing with staying away from the boys? Or how you doing with, you know, staying away from the drugs? And, and there were literally times where I was tempted to go back, and I knew I'd have to tell her what I was doing. So it stopped me. So accountability is a good thing. I also had a small group. And I, I, Ohana groups are my jam. I mean, that's where the, the deep stuff happens. And I let them see my heart. And I got a lot of good prayer and a lot of love uh, from my people week after week. And then I think probably most importantly is I hit my knees a lot. I hit my knees 
And I honestly and I humbly said, God, I'm a wreck, and I need you to do the work. I need you to, I'm coming, and I know you'll do the rest, because that's what you do. So I want to uh, move into our scripture. And just a little bit of uh, intro. So I'm, I'm going to be in the book of Ephesians today. And Paul was the first church planter uh, in history, pretty much. Jesus had left. He'd gone to heaven. Paul was the guy who he spent several, uh, a number of years traveling around Asia Minor and sharing about the way, sharing about Jesus had come. And he would, multitudes would come to him and then he'd spend a year or two, he'd get to know those people, he'd share, you know, about, and, and he would recognize the leaders and install them, and then he'd go on and do it again. So he did that in Ephesus, Galatia, Colossians, a lot of the books of the New Testament are cities where Paul had planted churches, went on to the next one, and then he heard how it was going, and he'd write letters back and say, hey, something's amiss here. So the Ephesians had gotten themselves into a little bit of trouble, and, and Paul's addressing that in this letter. And it's really, he's addressing a paradigm shift that's required in the faith journey. He's addressing a paradigm shift that's required in the faith journey, where we really need to deal with these things in order for maturity to grow up, to become adults, and not need our diapers changed anymore. Bug to butterfly, yeah, that's what we're after. So we're going to talk about the cocoon, and this is a cocoon scripture. Now this I affirm and insist on in the Lord. You must no longer live as the Gentiles live, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance and hardness of hearts. Now these guys were already following Jesus, so they were believers, but this is their condition, so let's keep that in mind. They have lost all sensitivity and have abandoned themselves to licentiousness, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. That is not the way you learned Christ. For surely you have heard about him and were taught in him as Jesus is in, as truth is in Jesus. You were taught to put away your former way of life, your old self corrupt and deluded by its lusts and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to clothe yourselves with the new self created according to the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. The process of heart change he's talking about here, putting away former ways, requires a very personal deep dive solo journey with God, with great humility and honesty. And some of it, like, we can't know everything. We can't have it all figured out. We can't control things to obtain our desired outcomes. We can't keep believing we're too broken. We can't keep saying it's just the way I am. We can't keep claiming, I don't know how to hear from God. We can't keep blaming others. We can't keep avoiding these things because they'll keep coming up. We can't keep hurting those around us by acting in the old ways. We gotta come to terms with our own inability to do this and to come to the creator who can change us. It requires that liquidation of the old self, that cocoon. And I have to say that I've known many people that come up to the cocoon state and they get stuck. And their lives become marked by chaos, drift, uh, guilt, shame, 
I see them come in in the church and go back out, come in and go back out. Or maybe I've seen people that uh, they get to this crossroads and they're like, there's something wrong with this church, I'm going to another one, and they hope the next one's healthier. I've seen that happen to people. Or they go back all together. I've seen so many people turn back because they didn't want to go into that cocoon. And I've met so many people that went in, didn't really want to, it sucked and they hated it, but they knew that the other side of it was good, and I've never met one that regretted it. I've never met a person that regretted it, that gave themselves over to this process with God because there's such goodness at the other side of it. There's such freedom and beauty. I'm making good time. Okay. So I want to pick the scripture apart. I want to go verse by verse. And let me just say again, I'm just going to keep hammering at this because I really feel like this is what God has told me. Like, humility has to rule the day for us. Humility has to rule the day in our hearts. Changes will hit and they'll show how we're doing with the humility. It's kind of like a thermometer. It can be a thermometer. Like, you hit something and you're like, you react really ugly. Oh, okay. There's a good indicator. Or you hit something in a relationship with your loved one, your friend, your partner, your spouse, and you're like, oh, I keep hitting this. What is this? What's wrong with them? But it's really you, and there's something there that needs to be. So the humility that's required to, take, to look at ourselves honestly is essential. So verse 18 of chapter 4 they're darkened in their understanding, alienated from life and God because of their ignorance and hardness of heart. Youch. This is, a, this, is a, this is going right to the heart of it. And we, we see, I think Paul's addressing two parts of us in our inner life, our minds and our hearts. The mind, what does it mean to be darkened in our understanding? I've been mulling that one over. What does that mean that I'm darkened in my understanding? It's clearly in the mind, right, understanding. And I, what I land on is that the way I've thought about things prior to knowing Jesus, I need to have my mind filled with truth, filled with truth about me, about who God is, about what life is like. So it's like this exchange. So the, the time in the scriptures and in prayer is essential, meditating on and learning what God is like. This, the Bible is the best way to learn that and learning the truth. So we need our minds illuminated with truth. In our Ohana group, um, I love my Ohana group. So they, they knew I was preaching, so they prayed for me. They're all right there. I love you guys. <laughs> um, and and uh, on Monday night, they were praying for me. And there's Danny Espiritu, who is a wonderful, lovely young woman who's been coming to my group. She's also an intercessor. And intercession is like, is, we do prayer meetings every Sunday morning from 8 to 8.45, and Danny's been coming to that. And, and it's basically just like quieting down and saying, God, what do you want to do today and help me bring it in? What do you want to do today and help me usher it in? So Danny is, I think she's really, I, I haven't heard her whole story yet, but I bet you she's been in the cocoon because she's come out of it and she's a beautiful butterfly. And she sees things, she gets pictures, and they're usually like Marvel or DC comic images, which I love that. So um, I live with a 17-year-old, all things DC and Marvel. So she saw a picture of me with a, with a whoop-ass rope. I'm just going to say that once. We didn't know what it was called. And you DC fans probably already know what this is. But she saw this, this, this illuminated cord 
Actually, she saw it first uh, a couple weeks ago when we were praying for the Blue Water leaders. We were having a meeting, and she saw this cord around it. And then during worship on Monday, she saw this cord around our group. And then she saw this cord going around all the Ohana groups. And then she saw me with Wonder Woman's weapons. I love Wonder Woman. I love that movie. It's the first directed by a woman. Love that. Okay, so here's what she has. She's got the whoop butt rope. Okay, and I didn't know what it was called. And then she's got a shield. She's taking full full force of enemy, and she's right behind it. God showed me that a year ago. My son and I are behind that shield, and I am battling for that guy. I'm battling for that kid. Um, and her sword, yeah, so she's, she's got weapons. She's got game. So I love that she saw me in that. And you wanna know, like normally when I think about doing this, so much stuff happens in the week that like I just, I'm gonna get on a plane and get out of here because I don't like public speaking. But I just, I walked in such peace this week because I kept thinking, I've got my shield, I've got my rope, I've got my, it was really good. So thank you, Danny, thank you, Ohana Group for covering me. And everybody else who's been praying for me, I know there's been many and I really appreciate it, I felt it. So the, the lasso of truth is what this thing's called. I got home from Ohana Group. I'm like, I told my, my kid about it, and I'm like, he's like, Mom, it's the lasso of truth. I'm like, what? I got the lasso of truth in my hand? Okay, that's, all right, here we go. So I feel like that's some of what I'm offering today. Yeah, God wants to reveal truth. Okay, so dark and understanding needs illumination in the mind. And then ignorance. So that's, you know, who wants to be, you're ignorant. But you know, ignorant simply means to not know. To not know. So these folks were not knowing, and they needed to know. There again, that's where scripture comes in, that's where prayer comes in, that's where illumination comes in, so that we know. We need to know things. We need to know things about how things are in this new life. We know how they were before, super familiar with that, but we gotta know how the things are in the new life. And then the heart. So, heart and heart. And I love doing uh, word searches. When I was in seminary, I, I landed on, I learned about a concordance. And that's a, a book that has every word in the Bible in alphabetical order. So if maybe you can't remember where our reference is, if you remember like um, truth, you can, go, you can go to T's and it'll have every scripture where truth is referenced in order. And then it has this little number beside it and in the back of the book is the original languages. So I looked up hardened. And I went to the back and I looked in the original Greek to see what that is. It's like a treasure hunt. You get a fuller meaning of what the word means. And it means calloused or petrified or a stone. So these guys had some stones. They got some petrification going on in their hearts. And I, I, I know that we do too. Like all of us do. We have places in our hearts where we've closed off where there's been pain that has, is so acute, we just box it. Or there's shame at what we've been doing, and we feel, if anybody found out, we just die. Put that in a box, put a, a no entry sign on it. Maybe there's triggers from things that have happened, trauma in the past, maybe there's trauma in the past, and you needed it to be boxed up so you could get through it. But it's still there, and, you're, and, and it needs to be dealt with. Maybe it's grudges. Or maybe we're ignoring our hardness altogether. And the thing is that God wants every bit of our hearts. And when we stuff those th things in, they eventually 
come out, they leak out, even when we think they aren't. And it's usually in our relationships or the way we respond to things or the things we're trying to get, get past and can't seem to. So allowing God to soften up those places that are hard, do it, God. Let's just say do it. Soften us up. Let the hard places become soft so that you can deal with this stuff and transform me into that new person. Uh, and verse 19, they have lost all sensitivity and have abandoned themselves to licentiousness, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Oof. So a couple things about this verse occur to me. If they lost sensitivity, that means they could have it, right? The opposite is true. So we can have sensitivity, and it helps us not abandon ourselves to the old stuff. So maybe we've never experienced the sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, or maybe we lost it and we need it back. We need to, we need to find it. It's been lost. And this is, I think, a real, a real key in the process because when you can learn to have sensitivity to the Spirit, when you're walking through your days, you'll feel them. You'll feel them go, uh-uh, no, don't, don't respond like you used to. I got a new way. And it's honest, it's sweet, it's kind, it's loving, it's pure, it's good. Sensitivity. And Paul's list here, licentiousness, greedy, impure, like, oh, we're not those, that's, that's not us. But we have our thing. We all have something. We all have stuff. Anger. That can be one. Anger. We say ugly words to people. Maybe we're bitter. Maybe we're harboring resentment. Maybe we're talking stink about people when they're not around. That one is a damaging one. There's roots to that. God needs to transform it. And the Holy Spirit delights in doing that. When we ask, he's, he's all over letting us know. He's all over letting us know. That's where the prayer comes in and saying, like, what, what, what? Just do it. Let's do it. So we were, you were taught to put away your former way of life. You were already taught this. Your old self, it corrupts and deludes by lusts. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, to clothe yourself with this new self created according to the likeness of God. The likeness of God. We could be like God. That's crazy. In true righteousness and holiness. So how does Paul recommend that we do this? Well, I, I did another word search on renewed. And it, it's in the original language, so renewed means upwards plus young or new. So there's this quality of being upwardly new. And then the spirit, renewed in the spirit of our minds, spirit here is wind, pneuma, and it comes from the root to blow. And then mind is our understanding, our reason. So it's kind of like having our minds blown, blown with newness. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. He wants to blow our minds with newness, to be new. It's beautiful. It's beautiful what he offers. Then we get to clothe ourselves with the new selves in God's likeness. We can't get it from other people. We can't get it from trying. We can't get it from working harder. We can't get it from exercise or moving to a different church or a different city. We can't get it from avoiding it. We can only get it from the source. 
At the other side of this is newness of understanding. And here is why it is worth it. Our minds, our thought life, our hearts will be like Jesus, will be more like Jesus. More wise, more loving, more pure of motive, full of grace for others and truth to inform and apply as we walk out our days. It's well worth it because we get to be a beautiful butterfly and not a lumbering caterpillar that can't really do anything but lay there and eat. So just by way of application, I really encourage you this morning to decide to let God sift your heart and your mind. To spend some time in quiet and prayer this week, just you and God, set aside some time and ask him humbly, honestly, ask him. I have humbly and humbly, glad they got my typo. Humbly and honestly ask him if there are places that need to change. Boldly ask him to do it and show you the way through. And when things come to mind, ask him what to do about it. Maybe you need to get a, a prayer partner in it. Maybe you need to take it to your Ohana group and say, hey, I'm struggling with this. I need you guys. If you're not in an Ohana group, good, good first step. That's a place to do this stuff, to get loved on through it. Center down, take stock, my friends. Center down and take stock. Strip away the activity and the busyness. Stop running to things. The temporary take care of it. The essential skill of change is honesty, humility, and prayer. <laughs>